prosperous country in the world even in a bad recession we are so freaked out about tomorrow but yet we believe in God we need to stop with the worldly thinking and we need to get down with the biblical thinking God said give us this day our daily bread he will take care of our needs we're so focused on our greeds he provided for them every single day and what's amazing is God's bringing them quail and he's bringing them bread every day and they're still trying to save it for the next day Imagine you could only have one day's worth of food in your home at any given time. What if there was a storm and you couldn't get out to the store? If that makes you anxious, you're not alone. As Pastor Daniel teaches today, we'll hear that God's people felt the same way. They try to save manna when God has told them he'll provide it daily. You see, the key is trust. As you listen, consider God's provisions for you. Let go of the worry. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part three of his message entitled, Praise and Problems. They were liquidless in the wilderness for three days. And so what happens when that happens? Who do they complain against? Moses. Moses is in trouble. Listen, leadership is really cool. Except you have to realize that when things aren't going right, the leader's in trouble. Moses is in trouble. They are complaining. The Bible says we should do all things without grumbling and complaining. Let's say that together as a church. Do all things without grumbling or complaining. Come on, you could do it better than that. I know you believe this. Do all things without grumbling or complaining. Now, look at the person next to you and say, do all things without mulling and complaining. You're laughing at your spouses, aren't you? (laughs) That's right. Because it's so easy to do all things with grumbling and complaining, right? We just are good at that. Right? Yeah. So tomorrow, when you start getting grumbly in your spirit, start getting all that that complaining on, Think to yourself, do all things without grumbling or complaining. I love uh, John Wooden, the great coach from UCLA. He said one time, and I wrote it down, no whining, no complaining, and no excuses. And I thought to myself, that's a good way to live my life. No whining, no complaining, no excuses. Because we're really good at it, right? I mean, God just delivered the children of Israel with this mighty hand, and they're three days in the wilderness, and they're already complaining. But, and you might think to yourself, I mean, the children of Israel, these guys are out to lunch, right? Like, I mean, how can they be that way? But God has done the same thing for us. One day, God does something great in our life, and the next day, we're complaining about everything. I can't believe you did this, Lord. Right? So we need to learn from the children of Israel. We're all made with the same stuff. And we all do the same things. They start complaining against Moses. What shall we drink? And so what does Moses do? Verse 25, he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. Instead of complaining, 
cry out to the Lord. Instead of thinking that grumbling is going to change anything except make you grumpy and everyone around you a little grumpy, start praying. Because notice, they complain, Moses talks to the Lord and the Lord shows them a tree. Now, the tree in the Bible is a type of what? A picture of what? The cross. Cursed is every man who hangs on a tree. You know what happens when we complain and we go to the Lord? The Lord shows us the cross. He reminds us of what he has done for us in Christ. And we need to keep the cross of Jesus Christ where the Son of God died on our behalf. We need to keep it before us. Amy Carmichael, the great missionary, said it this way, if I love any place except the dust at the foot of the cross, then I know nothing of Calvary love. You want to go get a fun, simple book? It's Amy Carmichael's book, If. It's all an if statement, and then I know nothing of Calvary's love. And it's literally like 100 of those on 100 pages. And it's a powerful book, one sentence a page. That one, if I love any place except the dust at the foot of the cross, then I know nothing of Calvary's love. Because when we want to complain about everything, be grumpy about everything, we pray, God says, look at the cross. I got everything taken care of. I got this dialed in for you. I finished the work. It's done. Live and walk in victory. It's over. It's finished. But notice, the waters are bitter. God shows Moses a tree. And look what the Lord says to him, verse 25. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Wow. You put the tree into the waters and it becomes sweet. Now, some people try and figure out which kind of tree he put in there to make it so, and there might be natural causes, but this is meant to be seen as a miracle. That's what it's meant to be. It doesn't need to have natural causes. It was bitter water. It tasted nasty. Speaking of bitter water, I'll tell you a fun story. If you've ever been to Israel, I remember the Dead Sea, right? The Dead Sea, it's called the Dead Sea because it's so salty. If you, if you go to swim in the Dead Sea, you just float. It's totally cool. You don't even need swimmies, right? So I went there and I remember I had Lynn with me and Obadiah was like 11 months. And I, and I told Lynn, I know Lynn that didn't understand that it was the salt sea. I didn't tell her that. So I, you know me, I'm a good husband. I'm like, sweetie, you need to taste the water. It's really good. I, I did this. I, I'm honest. I'm, I'm, I'm confessing. Pray for me. It was a long time ago, though. But I had my camera ready, you know what I mean? And she's like, oh, really? And my wife's so sweet. She's like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's really good. And she went down, she tasted it. Ah, it was nasty. And I got a great picture for just like... She's a good sport, though, because she still loves me. Long-suffering woman, you know? Praise God for her, you know? So I don't know why I brought that up. But anyway, I thought of bitter waters, and I just thought of that story, so... But to dial it back in by way of application, the cross of Jesus Christ makes a bitter circumstance actually sweet. It really does. When you see that God's at work in your life, that the curriculum of your life, the bitter curriculums, is actually something that God is using to grow you up. It makes bitter things sweet. And he goes on and he tells them, listen, in verses 26 and 27, He's like, look, if you heed my voice and do what is right in my sight, you will never see a plague. Notice that. If you hear my words, heed my words, and do what is right. Brothers and sisters, we need to hear God's word and do what it says. 
God does not want us to go through trials. But oftentimes, oftentimes, we're just not willing to do what he asks. We're not willing. And things happen. Now, it's interesting. Verse 27, they get to Elam, and it's, it's like a spa for these people. They just had this great deliverance. They had this issue at Mara. And now notice they came to Elam, 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. Sounds good, doesn't it? That's like spa time. So they end up there, verse 16, chapter 16, verse 1. And they journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. So this is exactly one month. Notice that the 15th day of the second month. This is exactly one month after they left Egypt on the 10th plague with the Passover. So it's one month has gone by, right? Notice what it says in verse 2. The whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. It's like, good night, right? This is what you call selective remembrance. They're upset with Moses. I mean, they just came from a spa, but they're upset now. They complained. Oh, that we died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by pots of meat and ate bread to the full. See, they forgot. This is the thing you have to remember. They've been delivered from bondage of Egypt. And for oftentimes, there's a good application for us. As Christians, we leave things in the past and then we remember only certain parts of what it was all about. We forget that we were miserable. We forget that like the children of Israel, we were slave-driven and we had to collect the straw and make the bricks and they were whipping us. And all we remember is, yeah, we had pots of meat and ate bread to the full. That's the, we have a selective memory about what God delivers us from. And you have to realize, oftentimes when you look back, it looked prettier than it actually was. It's so easy to look back on our past on a time when we were in bondage and only remember certain pieces because we have a selective remembrance of it. But you have to remember what it was like when you were far from God. I remember those days. I remember what it was like being, getting to the end of my day and no matter what I did, no matter how much of it I did, I remember sitting on the edge of my bed and just being miserable. I had everything. I had nothing. Everything was great and everything was lousy. And it's so easy to look back on it and be like, oh, that was a lot of fun. I mean, so many parties and all this cool stuff was going on. But I forget that I was miserable. That I'm like, what's the point? Is this really it? This is life? What a lame excuse for being alive. And I, I was having fun, quote unquote. So don't make the same mistake to look back on your life of rebellion against God and have a selective memory. The children of Israel forgot all the reasons God delivered them and remembered that they had meat to eat and bread to the full. Notice verse 4. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Verse 5. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much 
as they gathered daily. Verse 6, And Moses and Aaron said to the children of Israel, At evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints against the Lord. But what are we that you complain against us? Also, Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and in the morning bread to the full, for the Lord hears your complaints, which you make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Verse 9, And Moses spoke to Aaron and said to all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. Now it came to pass, as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So it was, verse 13, that quails came up at evening and covered the camp. And in the morning the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted there, on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? And they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord had commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need, one omer for each person, according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. And the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. And when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. And Moses said, let no one leave any of it till morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses, but some of them left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. So they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need. And when the sun became hot, it melted. This is the manna, the bread from heaven. When Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread, that's where it comes from. They wanted meat and bread. And so God said, listen, stop complaining and don't complain against Moses and Aaron. You're complaining against me. And I'll give you the meat and the bread that you want. And it's amazing because God sent them quails that night. So fowl, birds to eat, like chicken in that day. They got that at night. And in the morning, there was a dew on the ground. And that dew was a substance, a round substance that they were able to make bread with. And God provided for them every single day. Now, it's miraculous, isn't it? It's amazing. We live in the richest most prosperous country in the world, and we are the most freaked out about the future. And it's absolutely unbelievable. I mean, imagine if you were the children of Israel. God said, look, I want to provide for you every day, and you can't save it till the next day. I'll actually take care of you tomorrow. Brothers and sisters, we can learn from this. Because we live in the most prosperous country in the world, even in a bad recession, we are so freaked out about tomorrow. But yet we believe in God. We need to stop with the worldly thinking and we need to get down with the biblical thinking. God said, give us this day our daily bread. He will take care of our needs. We're so focused on our greeds. He provided for them every single day. And what's amazing is God's bringing them quail 
and he's bringing them bread every day and they're still trying to save it for the next day. They didn't listen. And it's easy to shake your head and be like, oh, the children of Israel, they were so messed up. But we all do this, right? Every single one of us live here. We're so freaked out about tomorrow. But we forget that God provides. He will provide. It's amazing. When we were in Kenya, and when I've traveled to countries that we call developing countries, it's amazing how generous those people are. Even if you go to a, to, to a group of people who have no place to live here, and you give them a loaf of bread, oftentimes they'll break it up. They don't have any, there's no... Um, refrigerator, there's no second freezer, there's no uh, credit card, but they get, you give them bread and they break it up and they share it with each other. But those of us who have means, we hoard it all, we're so freaked out because we don't trust that God will provide for us tomorrow. God gave bread to the children of Israel every single day. He's like, on the sixth day, keep twice as much because you're not going to work on the seventh day. I'll provide for you. And oh, it's, I love it. He who had much and he who had little, both had no lack, it says. Everybody had what they needed. Nobody was without. Everybody was taken care of. Now, we can either yawn and turn the page, or we can say, God, I want to be able to trust you. Because I'm amazed. I'm amazed. And I see it in my own life. I'm amazed at how little God's people trust them. People say, oh, I trust the Lord, but we really don't. Scheming, working, trying to figure it out, rather than simply helping people. Can I be honest? It's sinful, brothers and sisters. Let's just call it what it is. I struggle with it. You struggle with it. We all struggle. It's sin. It's sin. God has promised that he will take care of his kids, and that includes you and me. So can we trust him? Can we tell that doubt to get out? Can we stop freaking out and just trust that he's got it? Because you know what's amazing? He does have it. He totally has it. Now look at verse 22. And so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses, and he said to them, this is what the Lord had said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you bake today and boil what you will boil and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. And they laid it up till morning and Moses, as Moses commanded, and it did not stink. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's not in there. That's just me. Nor were there any worms in it. Verse 25, then Moses said, eat that today for for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, and on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in, the, in his place. Let no man go out to the place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day, and the house of Israel called its name manna, which literally in Hebrew means what? And it was like white coriander seed, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. See, God said, I'll give you twice as much on the sixth day so that you can rest on the seventh day. 
And even when God did that, still people went out to try and get some more of the manna on the seventh day. Why? Because they just didn't trust God. They didn't. It's interesting, this manna, they literally called it manna. Manna means what? And I like this. It's white coriander seen, and it tastes like wafers made with honey. And all the people said, amen, right? Little honey bread, sounds good to me. Verse 32, and we'll finish out the chapter. Then Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Fill an omer with it to be kept for your generation that they may see the bread with which I feed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, take a pot and put an omer of manna in it and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. And the children of Israel ate manna 40 years until they came to be inhabited to an inhabited land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Now an omer was one-tenth of an ephah. So what they did, they took some of this manna and they put it into the Ark of the Covenant. So we're going to see that. He took a jar. An omer was about a cup. So they took it and they kept it as a way to remember what God has done. Now, I want to close here. I think the biggest lesson for us is that God puts all of us in situations where we have to trust him. And each one of us has to choose to trust him. Can we trust him in the circumstances that he has placed us in? Faith, yesterday's faith will not provide for us today. Each day we have to wake up once again and say, God, I'm going to trust you with my circumstances today. It's so easy not to trust him. All of our circumstances show us that we shouldn't trust him. Except when we do trust him, we find God to be faithful. So brothers, sisters, no matter what it is, whether it's financial, the fear of tomorrow, how's it going to work out, he's faithful. You just have to say, God, I'm going to trust you today. And if you do that, when you get to the end of that day, you're going to find that God's been faithful. And the next day, you know what you're going to find? God's been faithful. But it's so much easier to provide for tomorrow and the next day and the next day so that we actually don't have to believe that he is faithful. So even in the midst of our prosperity, we need to live by faith every single day. We don't trust what's in the checkbook. We don't trust it. We don't trust the health insurance. And it's good that we have money in the checkbook. We don't trust those things. We trust in the living God. We enjoy them because they're there, but we live as if they weren't there because God is still faithful. So, brothers and sisters, whatever the circumstances are, trust Him. Trust Him for your daily bread. Trust Him for today. doesn't mean you don't plan for tomorrow, but don't trust in your planning. Trust in the true and living God. He is faithful. Jesus is I'm sure many of you who are listening today are both amazed and frustrated by the current political landscape. I always laugh at those t-shirts that people wear that tell you to vote for some alternative pop icon. So whether you're thinking about voting for Pedro or Eddie Vedder or anybody else, I had my team here at Crossroads create us some awesome t-shirts that communicate the real message of this voting season. 
we need to always remember that Jesus is in control and we can always count on Him. So this month, we're offering a fun t-shirt for Jesus' Real Radio listeners that will really make a statement. It's pretty simple. It says, vote for Jesus. And when you join us by partnering with Jesus' Real Radio this month, everyone you pass by on the sidewalk will see your Vote for Jesus t-shirt and know who you stand for and what life is really about. It's not a political candidate or party. It's the creator of the universe who loves us and calls us by name. Here's Josh with more information. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Through the month of October, we're offering each listener who supports Jesus is Real Radio their very own Vote for Jesus t-shirt with a gift of $25 or more. Remember, this isn't just a t-shirt. You'll be accomplishing two things. First, you'll be communicating to everyone around you that Jesus is who is foremost in your mind in these politically turbulent times. Second, your gift helps support Jesus is Real Radio. Every little bit of support that we receive helps us to maintain the reach of Jesus is Real Radio and even expand. So again, if you're listening today and you'd like to get your hands on a really cool t-shirt and help support Jesus is Real Radio, log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner and then the big blue button that says T-Shirt Offer. There you can give your donation of $25 or more to receive your Vote for Jesus t-shirt. Please remember to include the size of shirt that you'd like. We pray God's blessing upon you and join us next time for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio. Jesus is real.